Is Sisyphus trapped in an internal torment, or is he perhaps the most fulfilled man in history? Welcome everyone to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. My name is Kyron and I do these book reviews for those who want to transcend their own mere mortality to learn more about the books that they're reading, to get the juicy goss, everything that there is contained within them. And today we're learning about The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. This book was published in 1942 and it's 172 pages in length. So a short book, but I wouldn't necessarily say easy because this is diving into the absurd so it's a philosophical book Uh, this is written as an essay or multiple essays i should say and there's four main parts to it so i'm going to jump to the table of contents right now to to tell you about them the first is an absurd reasoning and this is some subchapters such as absurdity and suicide philosophical suicide absurd freedom and this is really examining whether suicide is a good idea so he's uh, taking quite a direct look at the idea of suicide and how that ties in with the absurd philosophy The second one is The Absurd Man. So this has things such as Don Juanism, drama, conquest as subchapters. And this is developing the thoughts and actions of how an absurd man or or woman would behave. What are the sorts of things that they do and the sorts of things that they think? The third one is Absurd Creation. So some things here are philosophy and fiction, Kirillov, ephemeral creation. And this is really looking at artists who have created pieces of of work or characters who have behaved in an absurd manner and the the creation process of 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 what the absurd is i guess to explain it because the absurd is quite a difficult thing to explain as you'll hear me get on too soon the fourth and final one is the myth of sisyphus so this is uh just a short very short essay compared to the others uh, examining sisyphus and how he is perhaps the most absurd person in in the world and um i don't mean absurd as silly i mean it in terms of the philosophical idea of absurdism i'll also jump right now onto the author himself and some other parts of the book because even though this has uh, been written as the the myth of sisyphus and those are the main sections the version that i have which is uh, modern classics penguin version uh, with a, an afterword by James Wood and translated by Justin O'Brien. This has some additional sections which are more poetry type things. So these are essays from 1939 to 1952 from what I could tell. And these are such things as Summer, Summer in Algiers, Helen, uh, Helen's Exile, Return to Tipasa, The Artist in This Time and The Minotaur on the Stop in Iran. Uh, For those who don't know, Albert Camus was born in uh, Algeria. So this is why he's talking about Algiers and Iran, those those countries in those areas um, where they speak French or at least they used to. I'm not sure nowadays. My geography is not so great. And this is definitely more poetry. So it's talking about his times there, his, uh, you know, feelings of the the air, the atmosphere, the beach, the, the town itself, the rocks, all these sorts of things. The absurd works themselves were or the philosophy was somewhat created by him. I think this is regarded as one of the books where it initially first appears at least. Um, and this was sort of born out of World War II. So it was published in 1942. So obviously the world was in a huge t- uh, torment right then in those times, a turbulence, a, uh, a lot of things were changing for a lot of people all the time. And, uh, you know, he was trying to make sense of everything that was going around him and this would extend out past the war as well 
So I'm going to jump into the first name now, and that is absurdism. So accepting the paradox of life. What is it? What is the absurd? This is going to be my interpretation of it from what I read from this book. And so I'll, I'll use some quotes and things to back it up. But essentially what I got is absurd is living in paradox. So uh, the idea of paradox of sort of two things being true at the same time of maybe behaving in one way, but then in one situation, but then needing to behave in another way in another situation. It's, it's I guess, the gray. So instead of looking at, at black and white, you, you have to recognize that there's gray and sort of living in that gray. So what does that mean? Well, I guess simultaneously accepting and revolting against meaning and meaningless. Uh, yeah, this is starting to get hard to, to explain, but I'll do my best. So the, the fundamentals. I would say one of the fundamentals is consciousness, and he brings this up on page 12, so I'll read this out. Um, For everything begins with consciousness, and nothing is worth anything except through it. There is nothing original about these remarks, but they are obvious. That is enough for a while. During a sketchy renaissance in the origins of the absurd. So basically he is saying the only thing you can be certain of in this world is, is consciousness. This is something that Sam Harris will talk about as well, for example. And this is, I guess, one of the fundamental basis from where he starts from. And then he adds some other things such as it, ha- it has to be strict rationality and no faith. So you're not allowed to take leaps of faith with the absurd. So this sort of rules out why you can't um, be religious, I suppose. You can't join Christianity or, or any of these other religions because those require a leap of faith for you to trust in it. And he's saying no. You need to stick to strict rationality. Like at least I need to stick to strict rationality. That's what he's saying. The other is that humans strive for meaning. And this is just something that inherently seems to pop up. We always seem to be asking why, why are we doing this? And I'm pretty sure that he would argue this comes from consciousness. So once you are conscious of the world, then you are conscious of yourself as well. And you start asking, you know, why is this here? That's sort of one of the things that distinguishes consciousness. You know, what, is a an inanimate object how is that really different from a human being we're both made of the same atoms yes perhaps i behave differently and i have self-replicating mechanisms and things like that but he seems to go back to with consciousness you're going to be striving for meaning it's almost like a, a byproduct of it so those are sort of the fundamentals on the human side the, uh, the fundamentals on the other side would be, okay, well, we're asking for meaning. What is the meaning of life, for example? And he says that the universe is silent with regards to this, with regards to meaning. There is no answer per se. And there's, I guess, many ways that he tries to explain this. The one that made the most sense to me was sort of multiple truths. So for whatever side of, of history you pick, for example, there's going to be the victors and then the losers side and their their interpretation of what went on in that battle so let's talk about world war ii because this is when this book was written the 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 german side of what was going on was very different from what the english side was was going on for example and then the people who were caught in the middle of it so belgian and you know other countries which got taken over by the nazis their side would be completely different as well so you have that, I guess, which sort of helps to explain why there's no meaning. It's, it's it's impossible to have one definitive answer because you're going to have multiple truths no matter what. And the other one, I guess, which ties into this is death. And so he speaks a lot about death. This is why he's talking about suicide and 
and Sisyphus as well. This ties into it. And I would guess I just have to say that this, this puts like a time constraint. This is one of the parts where I didn't fully understand what he was trying to get at. It was almost like there's a time constraint and then this requires you to behave differently. But essentially the absurdism is, okay, there's, we want meaning, but there's no answer to this meaning. There's no, there's no given requirement. And so when you have these two things clashing together, the absurd lives somewhat in the middle of those two. I think that's, that'll be my, my best explanation for the moment. The second theme of the book is suicide, so the only serious question. And I'm going to jump now to page five because I think this gives some good framing. And this is the first words of the book. So it says, absurdity and suicide. There is, one, there is but one truly serious philosophical problem, and that is suicide. Judging whether life is or is not worth living uh, amounts to answering the fundamental question of philosophy. All the rest whether or not the world has three dimensions, whether the mind has nine or 12 categories comes afterwards. These are games one must first answer. So he is really saying that philosophy is uh, the, the true question. One of the true questions of life is, is suicide. Is this a something that I should do or not? You know, should I voluntarily take my own life or at least not try and extend my own life? Because I think he sort of equates the two of them there. And uh, I guess the main argument for this is that uh, his main argument for why one should stay alive, so skipping to the spoilers of the, the question, is that one must create meaning for oneself. Um, so this is sort of like a revolt, uh, but remain cognizant of death. And um, this is for the acceptance. So if we go back to absurdism, the one of the definitions or how he tried to explain it would be, it's simultaneously accepting or revolting against meaning and meaningless. So in this case, he's talking about, you know, there's the the revolt. So this is saying, no, I'm not going to commit suicide, but you've got to remain cognizant that you're going to die anyway. So this is the acceptance part. So there's sort of those two parts there. Now, how does this tie in with Sisyphus? The meaning is the pursuit of meaning, I guess. This is this is his answer to the question or part of the answer to, to this question on suicide, um, which is absurd. And this, however, he adds a distinguishing point here and he, he wrote this in the book. I couldn't find uh, where I, I wrote this down from, but uh, it was a rebellious repetition and not ignorant routine. So there needs to be that consciousness aspect of what you're doing. And this is where we get into Sisyphus. So when he's talking about Sisyphus, and for those who don't know, he is a uh, a Greek um, man who rebelled against the gods, you know, sort of cheated death. And so they were pretty pissed off at him. So they sent him to the underworld to continuously push a boulder up a hill. And once it reaches the top, it falls back down. And then he has to walk back down, go to the boulder and resume pushing it back up. So it's sort of the... The metaphor, I guess, for that is that it's an internal torment. You are continuously striving for something, but you're never actually going to uh, make it happen. And this is, uh, I guess, sort of that wasted labor for no reason. This is one of the things the, the Nazis would do, for example. They would get um, in, uh, this is talked about in Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. They would get bags of salt and they would have to walk it from one edge of the, the compound to the other edge and then dump it there and then pick it back up and take it back to where it was. So just completely useless work for no reason. And this would sort of break people. It was a torment. Now, what he argues is 
no, maybe Sisyphus is in fact one of the most happiest people in the world because he's found his meaning. It's sort of he's he, he's the meaning is to find meaning, and so he is trapped in this eternal pursuit. So his meaning, he, he's got to find it for himself, and he's got all of eternity to do it because he can't die, and it can't be ignorant routine though. So he can't just be continuously moving the rock. He needs to be continually having like a rebellious portion of him saying like fuck it i'm I'm gonna move this rock because you tell me to um and you know it's sort of weird i guess because he's trapped there he didn't really get a choice in doing that um and you could almost argue that what camus was saying is that nowadays we all have to sort of be that have that rebellious revolt in us and it's like Oh, another daily grind at work. Fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway, just to, just to like spite the world in a way. So that's one way of looking at it, but he doesn't use words like spite and anger and things like that. It's just a a revolt. It's like life is meaningless, meaningless. Fuck it. I'm going to find my own meaning anyway. That, that sort of, I guess would be the, the heart of, of the absurdism and also why you shouldn't commit suicide. So this is his, um, his his argument against it so so suicide for him falls under the rebellious part of of absurdism not the acceptance part it's more the fuck it i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to commit suicide so i'm going to jump now onto some of my observations and takeaways i'm going to put up a a little diagram here on your screen and you'll see it which is a table outlining the differences between existentialism nihilism um sort of like another version of existentialism and absurdism. And I, th- I think this is quite useful. I found this on Wikipedia. And I think it's just a really great way of uh, explaining some of the differences uh, of the philosophy of existentialism versus these things. Because you might be thinking, oh, this sounds a lot like nihilism. Oh, this sounds like this other thing. So this is a good table. Just you know, view it at, at your pleasure. I'll jump now onto page 74 because this also has a a little quote here which I think is indicative of the style of the writing. So, he says, In the creation in which the temptation to explain is the strongest, can one overcome that temptation? In the fictional world in which awareness of the real world is keenest, can I remain faithful to the absurd without sacrificing to to the desire to judge? So many questions to be taken into consideration in the last effort it must be already clear what they signify. And so this was sort of like a portion where I I found those words uh, quite quite impactful like when they when I read them the first time they really jumped out at me and that when I go back to them and sort of read them on their own I'm like I don't really understand like what does that mean? <laughs> it makes no sense. And I sort of found that throughout this book he's very poetical. He writes in a very flowing sort of way which is nice when you're in it and you can sort of understand it and you'll get something jump out at you. But then later you'll come back to it like I've done here and, and written down this quote. And then I, I just go, ah, oh, and I, I don't really understand how that works in with this context. And this was in the section where he was talking about the creation of characters and and how certain people have, have done this. And this was actually, I found the the most coherent parts of his work where I could really read it and really understand what he was trying to say. So this was when he was examining different artists. So some of those were Kafka, Nietzsche, Kierkegaard, um, Ch- uh, Chestov, I believe, and Goethe. And then also some of the characters such as Don Juan. This uh, he, he repeatedly pops up in this 
Uh, he also mentions, I believe, Dostoyevsky's uh, The Brothers Karamazov and um, uh, Aloyosha and Ivan and, and some of the people of, of those. So I found his ideas on absurdism really, they, re- they made a lot more sense to me when he was examining other people who have written about it and said, yes, this is sort of absurdism because this character portrays these things. Whereas a lot of the time he's just really flowy and and poetical and it's like, okay, this isn't super super useful for understanding. Maybe it's beautiful, maybe I, I like the writing, but it's hard to really nail it down. Um, the last point I would just say is it takes bravery to examine suicide, but it was all over the place. He, he really didn't... From that starting point, I got quite excited because those that first paragraph that I read out I made me think, oh, okay, here's a seriously a serious dude trying to answer a serious question, he, and he's really laying out some nice points. You know, he, this is where he starts with. He starts with consciousness. Everything comes from consciousness, and then he, you know, adds a couple of different things. So I was waiting for this argument to really form and to him to sort of drive on with purpose. But what I found was he started off really strongly, and then it just devolved into poetry and going he'd jump here and he'd jump there and I it did I didn't really I wasn't satisfied with his answer I'd say uh, he there was an answer I sort of gleamed one out from what I read but the 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 arguments to to push it along the strict rationality I felt fell by the wayside and he he used more artistic terms and and poetic terms which didn't stick to that, you know, strict rationality that I was expecting from uh, what he was saying at the start. So in summary, uh, I love the potential of the initial premise, but felt it fell a little flat towards the end. It's very poetic and I felt this distracted from the initial investigation. So essentially what I was saying just then, I would say it's useful if you want to understand some philosophy, particularly the absurd philosophy. And just want to experience some nice poetry particularly the portions at the end about Algiers and uh, you know he's a very he's a very good writer I'll definitely say that and maybe this is uh, some translation differences as well because he would have written this originally in French so maybe I'm I'm missing some of the context from there I know I'm missing some of the context from that but uh, overall it was it was a nice book but is it going to stick in my mind is it going to be something I repeat uh, that has had a big impact on my life. No, not particularly. So uh, The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. A decent, decent book. And that is it for the audio for today. Thank you for joining me to this part. What are your thoughts on Sisyphus? Have you examined absurdism at all? Albert Camus, The Myth of Sisyphus, this book in particular. I'd love to know all of these things. Best way to do that would be to send me a boostergram. So if you go to newpodcastapps.com and I'll list out a couple here, Podfriend, uh, pod Podverse, Fountain, Castomatic, Breeze, you can send a satoshi payment with a message attached to it and uh, i read those out at the end of every month in the book recap and it gives me an idea of what your thoughts on the book were it's a way to interact directly with me i really do appreciate that and uh, you know your support helps to continue this podcast on and to to keep everything going so uh, with that being said i really do hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world kyron out